Welcome to the Tailgate Podcast, the first and only marketing podcast focused on hunting and angling brands. It takes a backbreaking effort to establish any kind of standout voice in the hunting and angling world, especially with all the new voices and faces out there trying to outshout and outsmart one another. One thing I think we can all agree on is this enormous cultural pressure right now for every voice in our industry to look inward and evolve with the times. One voice that stands out as a strong balance between the respect for America's legacy of hunting and fishing and the need for new values and beliefs is Joe Genzel. Joe is associate editor for Outdoor Life, a 120-year-old outdoor magazine that evolved into one of the strongest leaders in exploring the necessary changes we all need to make. Together with his talented team, Joe is evolving that legendary magazine, calling for greater diversity, the need for better representation of women, the need to put aside our entrenched beliefs so new hunters from all backgrounds feel welcome, and the need for new stories and ideas rather than those usual tips and tricks about the same old, same old. Joe is a voice the industry needs now more than ever. We are honored to spend time with Joe in between his prolific editorial calendar. Outdoor Life is the magazine we all grew up with, and we can't think of a better voice to carry that torch. Joe. Hey, Joe. Joe, how are you? What's up? Good. Good. How are you guys doing? I really uh, appreciate you guys having me on. This is a big honor for me. Well, Well, the... that's the first time we've ever been told that. So, uh, <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we're going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, I was going to say, you did, th- th- that was the reason for that pregnant pause. We're kind of scratching our heads here. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> wow. I, I, you, you, do realize, you do realize you're on the tailgate podcast, right? Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. up until this point, you've had uh, all the all your guests have been very accomplished. Well, the honor is all, all ours. We can't thank you enough for... You know, taking the time here, I know you're busy, you're writing like crazy, you're a uh, big, strong voice out there in the industry, so uh, we can't thank you enough for uh, taking some time out to talk shop with us here today. Yeah, I kind of thought with this whole uh, pandemic deal that maybe we'd slow things down, but if you are yeah. uh, if you are in the media you <laughs> and you uh, don't have uh, as much ac- access to freelance content anymore, you are a busy person. I bet. Yeah. Well, why don't we start here? Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background here? Uh, who are you uh, and how did you come to Outdoor Life? Uh, I've actually just been here under a year. Um, I worked uh, for Outdoor Sportsman Group for almost nine years. Uh, I was at uh, Wildfowl, Gundog, Predator Nation, Peterson's Hunting, just a slew of magazines and I uh, there and I worked in... Um, uh, for Sportsman's Channel a little bit uh, in some like pre and uh, post production roles, just kind of a uh, I guess a jack of all all trades there. But I mean, I, I grew up hunting uh, with my dad, uh, duck hunting and goose hunting mostly uh, here on the Illinois River. Um, he grew up hunting with his dad, um, uh, but like unfortunately, like his father passed away uh, when he was uh, thirteen, and then he passed away when I was ten. And I never like really fathomed that I would write about hunting. Um, I just knew that I enjoyed doing it. Of course, when he passed away, like I kind of went away from it for a while. Um, um, my uncle would take me to rabbit and squirrel hunting periodically. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, after the age of 
you know, 10 or 11, I didn't really grow up as a, as a core hunter. Um, but I, I came back to it, uh, in my twenties, um, a friend of ours took my brother and I duck hunting and, uh, you know, I just kind of fell in love with it all over again. And I was a sports writer in, in college. And, and after that, like, again, I just did not even, you know, outdoor riding wasn't even on my radar. Um, you know, you guys know like what's happened to newspapers. So I kind of saw that writing on the wall, uh, in like 2006, I guess. And I just started doing like Caterpillar is the big, uh, business here it was based and it's been it was based in peoria for a really long time and so i was like you know i'm gonna get a job at caterpillar uh and i did um after like two years of like really working to uh to get in there and in six months like the crash of 2008 happened and they laid off 20,000 people and i was one of those um and so i just i just ended up i mean i just did a bunch of different things to try and get by uh, I worked, I worked in my uncle's painting business. Uh, I did like contract writing, technical writing work for state farm insurance, um, just a bunch of different things. And, um, I didn't even know that like the wildfowl, which is like, which is the, the, the magazine I really wanted to, uh, to work for initially was had, had an office here in Peoria. Um, and then just a family friend told me that the job was open and I always kid with like Skip Knowles was my my boss and still is the editor there. And, and I always joke with him like I, that was that me getting that job was just like right place, right time because nobody wants to move to Peoria. <laughs> so um, yeah, and then from there, like I just spent the next you know eight or nine years at OSG before I before I made the move to outdoor life. And I mean it's it's just been like a kind of a it's just, it's been like a really world changing experience uh, not to be like too corny about it, but um, right. it's just a whole different level, you know, like the people that work here and the history of outdoor life and field and stream. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it, it's hard to really compare it with anything else. And there's definitely, I definitely like feel, you know, a certain amount of, you know, re- responsibility working sure. uh, at, at such a, a prestigious title. I mean, if if you've even stepped foot in the outdoors, there's a you know pretty good chance that you've engaged with outdoor life in some way, shape, or form, whether mm-hmm. reading it, hearing mm-hmm. about it, you know, and obviously the history, and I mean, just you know, again, some of the the just from from historical figures that even wrote for outdoor life, it, it's it's pretty amazing. So, I mean, you know, with, with such a venerable magazine like that, I can't imagine what it must be like actually grabbing the steering wheel and uh, kind of continuing that legacy. It's 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 a good pressure and fun pressure nonetheless, but um, you know, would love to hear, you know, well, actually we'd love to talk a lot about outdoor life, but I think one, <laughs> one thing we'd love to start with is, uh, you know, we'd love to hear about the audience first and foremost, who, who is reading it now? Uh, and yeah. how's it changed? well, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's pretty diverse now because we have such a prominent digital presence. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the core of our, uh, print readership are, are still, you know, older gentlemen, um guys in their 40s 50s and 60s um but the 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 digital side of it like i i I mean we definitely are reaching a younger audience and like as you guys well know there's you know there's a small percentage of hunters 
uh, in North America, but there, but there's such a growing amount of people that want to do it. Absolutely. I just did a story a couple months ago on like, how do we appeal to younger hunters and something like 80 or 90% of people are, are okay with hunting, like for, for food and are interested in it. Um, and so, uh, one of the things that I discovered like through that is like, basically there are the people around you, they will, they, they want to do this stuff. It's just, they need someone to show them how. Um, and I, and I think like you'll see out in our life, uh, go, go more down that Avenue, especially, uh, digitally, because, you know, we, we, you know, we always want to appeal to the core hunters and, uh, that, um, have been with us forever, but I, but you know, just like you guys are trying to do as well. Like we need to, we need to bring on the next and new generation of hunters too. Right. Um, Bill, wasn't it you and I, we read that art, there was an article about, uh, that outdoor life had put on this really comprehensive, uh, report about hunting and how it's changed. And it was, that was outdoor life. Was it? Yep. Outdoor life. Yeah. I think if we're thinking about the same article, it was probably by Natalie Krebs. It was about like how, about like the basically the recruitment uh, of hunters and like how uh, w- w- the kind of job we're basically doing. Um, and I think like it, it kind of showed how um, a lot of R three initiatives, while uh, while good, were kind of misguided, and they're trying to like they're trying to rectify that. You know, I mean, because mm-hmm. it, I think R three for a long time. I'm not. I'm no R three expert, but uh, I think it focused on kids and. Uh, and not adults. And that was kind of a sort of a mistake because like the adults are the ones that have the cash and the time to dedicate towards this. Um, and, and kids are, kids are at the will, are kind of at the mercy of their parents, mm-hmm. um, or guardians to, to go hunting. Right. And, you know, do you see a, a, and this isn't a loaded question, this is just pure intellectual curiosity here, but do you see a rising uh, number of adult onset hunters? In, yeah, in I mean, I, I do. I mean, I, I run across a lot of people in their 20s and 30s all the time that are into hunt, yeah, into hunting. Like uh, the Quality Deer Management Association has an awesome uh, program where um, uh, Hank Forrester initiated it, and he basically he just started going to um, like flea markets and stuff like that and farmers markets too. And just bringing, uh, bringing venison out, you know, bringing like bringing wild game food for people to try. And that kind of like sparked people's interest. And that all led to these mentorship uh, programs they have for uh, white tail, like white tail deer hunting. And they give, um, they take like a certain amount of people each fall and they give them a mentor and they give them access to private property and um, access to on Onyx maps so they can try and do it on their own too. Um, pretty, pretty cool program to, uh, uh, to get to sustain people in hunting, not just to get them, you know, to come out and do it once or twice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do you really kind of differentiate outdoor life from the rest of the pack? I think like a, a lot of it since uh, Alex Robinson is our editor in chief now, uh, since he's taken over, it's kind of uh, to, to me like m- like my perspective on it, having you know only been here six or seven months, is it's kind of more geared towards like what like what your buddies would want to know about. Yeah, you know, it, it, we're trying to make it. I don't think it's. I mean, there's obviously some aspirational uh, type stuff in there, but a lot of the stories uh, we write are like more geared towards just regular folks 
you know, trying, you know, trying to be successful hunters. And a lot of the stories that, that, that I've edited so far and, and written, there's more to the stories, I guess, is a, a generic way of putting it. Um, it's just, there's more about, there's more aspects to it than just a good story, you know? Um, there's conservation aspects in it and trends involved with it. It's not just like, man, I, I went on, a, I went on a great hunt and it was with great people. And, you know, that's all well and good and can make for uh, a fine story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say like with outdoor life, there's always, there always has to be like more to it. Like every time I pitch a story to Alex or, uh, uh, our senior editor, Natalie Krebs, like I'll pitch the story and they're like, yeah but we need, we need, we need more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so the, like, I think the bar is just, I don't want to say like our bar is higher, uh, than, than other media outlets. We just set a high bar for stories to get into our magazine. I mean, I think you can tell that by like mm-hmm. the roster, the roster of people that, that write for it. Right. Right. You certainly see a lot of after action reports and tips and tricks and hot licks and cool, you know, mm-hmm. cool stuff there. And, you know, you, there's always the age old sort of ballistics arguments and all that good stuff. But uh, it, it, it has been really great to read a little bit more kind of adventure journalism, you know, behind Outdoor Life. It's been really great to see a little bit more of, you know, kind of the, the you know, the reason why we're doing it and really kind of pushing off of that. But but what what do you think the industry isn't talking about right now? What what, what should we be all thinking about and then in turn writing about? <laughs> um, you know, I, one of the one of the things like I guess I just discovered this year is um, in one of the stories I wrote, like I, I talked to this uh, woman, uh, her name's Hannah Kysick, Um and she's just a Western hunter, uh, works, works in, inside the outdoor industry. But um, she, she talked to me about how like, she just doesn't, she doesn't understand like why media and brands don't better portray the realities of hunting and I, like outdoor life kind of hit on that. Uh, or early last year when um, that we our, our big story was about um, the realities of deer hunting. And we ran, you know, a small, like, I don't know, 130 inch buck uh, on the, on the cover of the magazine. Hmm. That's where I, I guess I see brands and media need to start going um, because all this aspirational stuff about, you know, 180 inch whitetails on your cover or just like even if you're a brand like uh hannah had kind of talked to me about she had this story about um shooting this mule deer and she had to shoot it multiple times because it was just the nature of the situation like uh, she didn't get off of a good first shot and she crippled it and you know it was she it took her like one or two more shots to kill it and you know that's just part of hunting but you don't read about that kind of stuff because right for whatever reason, like, you know, for, for egotistical reasons, for just, you know, whatever, like, it's just like, people don't think it makes an enchanting story. And I just don't think that's the case anymore. And and, and I think some, I think brands and media are going to have to adapt to that if they want to continue to appeal uh, to consumers. Mm -hmm. So do you see, a role of outdoor life to, you know, essentially set the pace for the types of conversations that we have out there and brands follow, or do you feel like you just kind of say your own piece, plant your flag and it's kind of, you know, up for all, I guess where I'm going with that is, is how much onus is on 
media like yourself versus brands to give a better representation of the industry, a better representation of what the experience is like. And in turn, you know, what is, you know, who, who really has sort of the authoritative voice and the right to, you know, argue for this point of view or, or that point of view. So it's kind of a multifaceted yeah. question here, but <laughs> I, I think, I think that it's probably shared, uh, but at, like between brands and media, but, and just like people just, and just hunters as a group. Uh, but I, but I do like, I do feel more of a sense of responsibility as a journalist. Like I've always felt that way, you know, even back to my, uh, newspaper days is you're kind of, you're not, you're not the, the gatekeeper, but you're like kind of the overseer of, you know, what's right, what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and we're not like, we're not judge and jury for that type of thing. But I, I think that, um, I think if you want to have a, a, a real, voice uh in, in the outdoors that you know it, it just needs to be it just needs to be more factual like more more real there's mm-hmm. you know every, everybody everybody misses you know every it's it, it, it doesn't have to be you know everybody doesn't shoot you know uh, a three you know a 300 inch 400 inch elk it, it, it's just it, it's just the reality and i think for so long you know, it's been made so aspirational and it's, it just can't happen that way for, for most folks. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so the social media is a real purveyor of that. I mean, you only see the good, good things that people do. Like nobody, nobody's posting about, uh, the Turkey they missed this spring, you know, I mean, you know, very, very few. So, um, I, I just think it, it, in terms of what we have to do, it's just continue to give uh, a, a voice to, to those people so that they like kind of, so that they have a seat at the table as well. And, and that's basically everybody, you know, I mean, every, everybody has their, their, their good days and their bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, boy, that's something that, you know, Andy and I talk a lot about. We've had a lot of conversations uh, with a lot of folks about that very thing is, you know, is there even a need for a balance? Who knows? There's really no, I guess, right answer, but you know, there's always that, you know, desire to create some degree of, uh, of that aspirational vibe just because it's exciting. It's really good theater for creative content and advertising. It, it certainly draws a lot of eyeballs into, you know, publications and things like that. But there's also this sort of ethical moral imperative where you have to make sure that you're not selling such a dream where you're disappointing people immensely and they're just bouncing out of this way of life. But, um, you know, certainly really great though, at least, at least you're thinking and you're talking about it. You know, I, what we're seeing is just a lot of folks are really starting to double down on one or the other, you know, they're saying, you Mm -hmm. know what, we're going to be that overly aspirational voice. We're going to basically sell that, that, that goal that everybody has, and we're going to be unapologetic about it. And you have other people who, are saying we're going to just be super real and we want to be authentic. And I think they, they, um, I'm not saying, I guess let me, let me back up. I don't think that representing an overly aspirational vibe means you're inauthentic, but I do think that, um, it's really interesting on who's sort of shouldering that burden of, of, you know, who's depicting the real way and then who's selling sort of the dream. So you're, you're sort of hitting, you know, sort of both emotional triggers there, but yeah, it's a, it's a real tough one. Um, what do you think are some of the, the, the more controversial topics and subjects out there that you're seeing? <laughs> um, the, the one that always like comes to my, to my mind is like, who has influence over this industry, you know? Um, and, and how are they going, uh, about that? Um, like, 
my this is totally like separate from any view outdoor life would would have but like my, my view of like how brands use these influencers or like you know pro staff type people um it, it just it just it just isn't very appealing to me um and, and i don't and i'm not uh you know like truth be told like i i've really always wanted to work more with brands because i feel like a lot of them are missing out on appealing to like average people and showing and showing the 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 daily hunts and life of average people um and and that's not to say like that they shouldn't be engaging these people that are at the top of their uh of their sports um because you know most of those because because we need you know people to lead us uh in in a good direction but i I just don't, I guess I just don't understand, and maybe you guys can help me, <laughs> but I just don't understand the, the point of like having so many influencers and, and I, I just, I guess I just don't get it. it, it it's not, it's, it's never appealed to me. Like the re, the re, the reason I buy something is because uh, it, 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 it works for my pursuit. And then like I've also seen, you know, somebody that I really respect, like utilizing it. And most of those people like, are not, you know, known. I mean, they're they're known inside like my our community, um, and but they but they're not on they're they're not like you know flaunting it or like just doing it because they are associated with a brand. So I don't know. I, 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 I would like to get your guys' perspective uh, uh, on that whole uh, influencer market. Well, you know, I think, um, I mean, I just feel like, that, you know, if you got rid of uh, hunting and fishing tomorrow on social media, you'd lose half the hunters and anglers. What mm-hmm. do you think of that? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right about that. Well, it, you know, it, the other side of that coin is, um, you know, we, we talked about this on a previous episode, but you know, really the difference between ambassadors and influencers. And I think ambassadors certainly represent your values and your ideas and I- ideals behind your brand. And, and that's okay. And, and more often than not in the hunting and angling world, they're very accomplished. They have, you know, they're certainly, they have the pedigree, the background experience and what have you. But when it comes to influencers, I think that's where we can, we can start to really stretch a little bit more. I think there we can look at not everyone has to just be, you know, a, a, a Randy Newberg or, 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 you know, or Steven Ranella. Um, you know, it would be great to see people, you know, let me put it this way. It would be nice to have some influencers who are, you can actually follow along with them and they're learning uh, alongside you. You know, it's not always like, you know, master and, and, and mentor. It's, it's more, hey, I'm trying to get into this world, you know, follow along as I you know, try and experiment and, you know, succeed and fail. And, you know, and I think that'll make them more relatable. But I think to, to Andy's point, I think you've got people who are the either, again, let me be clear, in our opinion are, you know, maybe not doing it quote unquote right. And then you have people who are just unbelievably great, but so far, you know, um, at the, at the other end of the spectrum where they're, you know, I think but, we can say there's a lot, there's not a lot, but there's a few people out there that are not doing it right. Oh yeah. I was, no, that, 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 for sure. And I think the tiptoe around that would be kind of disingenuous on our part. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I see people all the time on on social media, you know, doing really incredibly stupid stuff, you know. Um, and I think you need to be called out in a nice way. But, you know, when you're holding fish out of the water, 
and you can see it's clearly stressed, you know, um, you know, be smart about it. Right. Yep. I always look at what's right for the animal and what's right for the industry. And I think that that's just for me, the first filter I look at and, you know, that, that, but again, that's just my cloud here. But, but, you know, I do think that Outdoor Life is, is such an amazing platform to at least start to have those discussions, even outside of just what's happening in the industry and, you know, what season it is and, you know, the gear and reviews, but it would be great to, to see, you know, really a lot more conversation about, let's really look at how we're being represented. And that's where, it, you know, again, going back to that article that we were mentioning that you, you did it, it for me, that seemed like the shot heard around the industry where you're saying, Hey, we just kind of need to take a step back and look at, you know, look, let's look at the state of the industry. Let's look at who is representing our industry and let's look at what, what's being said and let's look at how it's being said. And then we can start to, you know, set the table on, you know, determining what's right, and what's wrong. Yeah. And I guess I, that's one thing in, from my journalism career that I like I've seen in outdoor life is that they, you know, there's very there's definitely a focus on you know profiling the, the 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 people that are leading us in the right direction too you know i mean you know we're not trying to just you know there 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 are some magazines that they write stories because the the people advertise with them you know we're we're not trying to do that i think we are trying to give people uh more real stories for our audience here uh, would love to hear a little bit more about some of the, you know, the past two or three articles that you've written. What, what are you talking about? Um, let's see. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been so crazy. Uh, my, my big uh, focus uh, coming to uh, outdoor life was basically to get more, uh, get a, get a more like diverse amount of people uh, involved in our magazine, minorities, women, um, one of the first articles I think of substance um, I really wrote was I, I basically just interviewed five different people about how they thought we needed to include more people um, from different backgrounds in hunting. One of the things like I didn't realize from that about uh, specifically about adult onset hunters is that um, like a lot of them aren't prepared to deal with the death that you that like of an animal. The, the three of us like, you know, we were probably sitting in a blind with our with our parents um, multiple times, like seeing an animal die. So, like, it, we just grew up with it. Um, and like, I had, had no concept that like, if you see that like as an adult uh, and you've never seen it before, like, there's a chance that it's like going to be a really difficult experience for you. So that was really eye opening for me in the years leading up uh, to being hired here. I, I was kind of cynical about new hunters um like like full honesty there i kind of had that mentality a, a lot of people that have been hunting for a long time get that if you're just getting into this well you're not a you know you're not a core hunter you're not you're not one of us and i had to like radically you know change the way um i thought and it was a good thing i did <laughs> uh, because like that is the totally wrong way to think um, and we should be really focusing on getting as you know many people as we possibly can involved in the sport right well you know it, you know it, th th that's i think something that keeps a lot of people up particularly brands as well, well go ahead Annie. yeah there was a well, there was a great, there was, in that article that we spoke about earlier, there was a great piece in there. I mean, it was such an, a comprehensive uh, 
you know, report on what the status of hunting is in America. But they, you know, they, one thing they had mentioned was that the browning of America, meaning, you know, we're not talking to other ethnic groups that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would agree. I agree. Now, Joe, Joe, what what are some thoughts you have on, on how we can, I guess, for lack of a better term, how we can fix this? How do we, how do we better represent, you know, the, the true landscape of America? How do we enable our, our, our current and new audiences to see themselves in, you know, the work yeah. we're, we're all putting out in the world. The first thing that kind of pops in my head about that question is like, we just need to be, um, we need, we need to get into bigger cities and bring more of those people to the outdoors. Uh, because, you know, there are so many people like I hunted on, uh, Long Island, um, a couple of years ago. Uh, and, the the guys that I were with, they were like, you know, people will come out here. They just want to go on a tractor ride because they've never seen any, like they've never been to any green space before. Um, and I think that if we can start going into like metropolitan areas and pulling those people, um, you know, into the outdoors that uh, it's, it's going to bring more people into the sport uh, because there's, you know, there's such a, you know, there's such a want for uh, the the food aspect of it too. I think that can really draw people in. Um, that QDMA uh, program that I talked about, you know, going to farmers markets and just introducing uh, the food to people, mm-hmm. it's a really easy way of of introducing hunting to people that haven't hunted before. Instead of like just taking them out to the woods and and shooting something, you know, you're more like you're more of easing people into it than just like you know, going out and pulling the trigger on a, on, on a white tail. Right. Right. You know, uh, that, that's, that's a really good point. You know, first light did a film where they showed, um, and sorry, his name's escaping me where he was actually hunting in suburban, I believe suburban, uh, Maryland or Virginia. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm probably completely butchering, uh, the, the <laughs> this grossly editorialized sort of comment here, but you know, I thought that was really interesting and it, it's just showing, uh, you know, a different sort of, you know, subset of, of, of hunters, but I'm really glad he touched on the, the, the urban side of things because, you know, I, I've been hunting for about 20 years. I was an adult onset hunter. I learned how to fly fish in the Harlem mirror in New York city. And, um, uh, you know, again, you know, I would, even though I've been hunting for about 20 and hunting and fishing for 20 years, I'm, I'd still consider myself an adult onset hunter. And, but, you know, I, I definitely struggled to find, you know, mentors, mentees and, and people to, to show me until I, you know, actually moved out of the city and, you know, fell in with a farmer across the street who showed me the ropes here. But, um, but I have a lot of friends, uh, in my, in my past, you know, who are still living in, you know, LA, San Francisco and New York who, who really want to get into it. They just don't know where to start. And they often turn to magazines like Outdoor Life just to, to see whether a, they can relate to it. Can they see themselves part of that world? And then lastly, are, are they really learning anything? Are they learning how to, how to get into it? you know, what, what have you done on that front? Have you, have you covered anything specifically that's like hyper urban or are you going to? We, we just did um, an article online about like the best um, uh, hunting opportunities near urban areas. So it, it's closer than you think too. I mean, even if you live in places like Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, New York city, I mean, the, the options are not that far away from you. I mean, any, anywhere you go, uh, or most places you go, you're going to have like a pretty good opportunity to, um, hunt whitetails. If you're, if you're in an urban area, like they're overpopulated and, and they're, and they're all, and they're definitely overpopulated in urban areas. So, um, that was like a big focus, um, of that article, um, to just kind of show like 
this isn't like out of reach. Right, right. Well, first of all, it you know, no, thanks. I think that that's great, and I would definitely would love to see see more. That I actually would love to see some urban influencers out there as well, because you know, certainly the, a lot mm-hmm. of the folks that we're all thumbing through on on Instagram, you know, they're <laughs> you know, they've got a lot of mountains in the background. So, so that that's really kind of an interesting thing to think about. Well, switching gears, let's talk. Let's talk brands. It's our favorite subject here. Okay. Um, what are the brands that you're really digging out there? What are you liking? And uh, what are what are some of the the I should say marketing trends that you're you know, kind of raising an eyebrow about and kind of thinking about, man, I don't know about that. <laughs> Outside the outdoor industry, um, you know, I think Nike has always been like a brand that I've loved. Um, they, they've always been like pretty real about um, their identity and they've always like taken chances too. like even, you know, you had that Colin Kaepernick uh, deal a few years ago. But also, like, when they did Spike Lee and Michael Jordan, those Mars Blackman. I mean, even though, like, how big Jordan was and everything, I mean, the, like, they, they were taking, like, a measured risk uh, with something like that. And, like, I would like to see uh, more outdoor brands, like, take a little bit more of a risk, you know, kind of go outside the conventions. Uh, for a while there, Sitka was doing some really cool films, and I think they're going to go back to that uh, eventually. Um but I thought that they were like they were going just beyond hunting. A lot of those uh, Ben Potter films were were more about like the people doing the hunting as opposed to the hunting and some of the struggle that goes along with that and like some of the joy that goes along with it, too. Um, and I mean, you can't like deny like what Yeti's done. It seems like, you know, one film after the next is, 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 is better than right. the previous one. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the things like when like that, that brand has taken off and they've gotten so huge and hired so many people. Um, and they, and I think they've done, I think they've done a really superb job of keeping their identity which I mean, you guys know has to be super difficult when you get big because like so many people start putting their fingerprint on on the brand, um, and I think they've done a, a pretty great job of you know staying true to hunting too. Like Yeti could just be a you know a hipster brand, which it it is too. But I mean, they could have just gone that direction and forgot about you know the hunting and fishing people. Uh, or crowd that kind of that that helped them get started, um, and they haven't, uh, which I think is cool um, because some brands have done that. You know, they've kind of gotten into the space um, through hunting and fishing, mostly fishing, and then kind of just gone more mainstream. Um, but I think it's it's awesome that they've like really Yeti's really stayed dedicated to the outdoors. Right. Right. Well, you know, they certainly have tapped into the spirit behind why we all do things, uh, that happen to take place in the outdoor and why we all thrive in the outdoors. And I think that's why they're able to get into some of these, you know, ancillary audiences, you know, whether it's rodeo to, you know, again, hunting and fishing to, you know, surf and skate and all that. So I think that, uh, when you know who you are, you, you can talk to anybody as and you can always stay true to yourself. And I think that's something that we see a lot of brands, either do really, really well or struggle with. And that is just really, you know, knowing thyself, having that, you know, unique voice and that ownable voice and uh, learning how to adapt the tone, uh, you know, with that voice to, to, to different audiences and new places. So 
Uh, but yeah, Yeti clearly stands above, I think, the rest on a lot, on a lot of that, um, a lot of those fronts, I should say. But, you know, you, you certainly work with a lot of brands. You know, you certainly you know, run a lot of ads in, in your magazines. But how, how do you engage with brands and when they approach you, even outside of just a standard media buy, you know, do you do any kind of co-created content? Are you doing editorial kind of stuff? Are you working with brands, you know, for input on editorial? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think all the above there. I mean, we we don't really like we don't do a ton of uh, advertorial type stuff like it, mostly for that for that kind of thing. Like basically um, we're utilizing our reach to uh, like send that out to uh, the people that, that follow us on social media platforms and uh, on our website. Um, but um, I guess like, uh, like I, I, I just have, you know, so many personal relationships with people that work at agencies and brands that we're always like, I'm always talking to them and trying to flush out, um, ideas. Um, and just, I guess, you know, we're basically kind of like utilizing each other uh, as resources and like, I'll, I'll never, I'm never like going to push us, you know, push to try and make a story work. That's not going to work. Um, uh, but I, I like, but I get a lot of you know pitches from uh, from folks at brands. Um, but but a lot of times, like I, I feel like those stories just kind of come about naturally um, because you know it, it just doesn't really work when a brand like basically calls you and says, "Hey, I got this story idea for you," because they're probably calling everybody they know and saying, "Hey, I got this story idea for you." Um, so it's I, I, I guess I would. I would just say through uh, the conversations that I have with people at these different uh, brands and agencies, like that's a lot of like how these, these stories uh, come about Um, that. And just like the, you know, just all the, the experiences that you get, you know, hunting, like luckily enough, I get to travel a little bit for it. And that's always, always kind of opens up your eyes to, to, to different, uh, different stories to write about. You know, um, Joe, I got a question. What do you, what do you think about some of the, um, the trends out there that you're seeing in the marketplace as far as, um, you know, people that are making, what is, what are some of the bad trends that you, you're not liking? You're saying you're irresponsible or just kind of plain stupid. Hmm. <laughs> That's a dangerous question, Andy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, we can all answer uh, it. I know. Um, one thing that I'm seeing out there is that I think that is ridiculous is I call it heavy metal face. And if you look at any kind of heavy metal music video or shots of, of heavy metal guitars playing, you know, they have the kind of this angry pissed off kind of, you know, I'm really like angry face and aggro face. And I'm really seeing a lot of that, uh, in, in the, uh, in the industry where it just seems like everyone's trying to act really, really hard. And I have a really good friend who's, <laughs> trying to get into this world, who's trying to become, you know, uh, or I should say self-identify as a hunter. They just can't get over that. And they say it just, it feels like really ridiculous. And, you know, if you look at some of these old, you know, Fred Bear, you know, uh, you know, the, the footage of Fred Bear, some of these old timers, you know, and in the more the historical side of things, they were actually having a good time. <laughs> you know I mean, they were out there yeah. doing some unbelievably hardcore stuff and in blue jeans, mind you, in Alaska, but they never acted like, like, they were hard or somehow like they were super hardcore. And I'd love to see us go back to just people being more real and, you know, relaxing a little bit more. I mean, you know, there's certainly the, the hardcore side of things that's just going to come through just the activity and the adventures themselves. But I'm always surprised at, 
you know, these people that kind of part part the weeds and they kind of, you know, mug for the cameras and their face sticks out of, out of the trees and they have the face paint on and they're acting like, you know, they're, they're out there, you know, uh, you know, in war. And it's, for me, that's just ridiculous. So that's, that's my, my, uh, submission well, to that. Bill, that's never going to go away. <laughs> yeah. And I think like in that, in that same vein is like one of the things that I have some misgivings about is people telling you what to do with your wild game meat. We did, uh, uh, write about this, um, recently just about, I mean, there's, if you want to make a, your kid a sloppy Joe with, you know, ground venison, it's okay. I'm just kind of over, you know, people telling other people how they should utilize what they kill. Right. I agree. You have an opportunity, you know, not only just in your professional position, but, you know, just as, as a real strong voice in the industry, what do you think brands should be thinking about as they're moving forward in developing work and trying to reach and connect with, you know, the, these new audiences that you were mentioning? What, what are some just some, you know, a few pieces of advice that you would you share? I guess the one thing that that I see a decent amount of is I I wish more, I wish more brands would put the um, the voice of their company in the hands of more like more core and authentic hunters. I'm not talking about like somebody who's hunted all their life. I'm just talking about I mean when, I'm talking about like a good mix of people like that and even people that are new to hunting because you need and are good at it because you need those people to talk to the people that want to get into hunting, like it's kind it's harder for a person that has been doing it their entire lives to really, I agree. uh, really talk to, uh, a new hunter because they just, they've never yeah. been in that position. Um, sure. and I, and I guess that's just what I, I, I see a lot of times, you know, these, a, a, it's not a lot, but I see brands bring in people, um, from outside the hunting and fishing industry that, that don't hunt and fish. And there is a place for that, but I don't think that you necessarily want to have too many of those people being the voice of your brand. In my opinion, it's very important to have people that appreciate the outdoors, that spend a lot of time, that that really do it. Mm-hmm. Just be who you are, not who you want to be, and and it's as easy and as hard as that sometimes. But we're we're really excited about where where you're heading with outdoor life. You know, you certainly you know, I think have, have done a really great job of, of, you know, evolving it. Uh, we've, you know, obviously you're, you're not afraid to tackle some of the, the big stuff, the controversial stuff. So, uh, again, we tip our hat and we're really excited about, uh, you know, what you're doing and, and what you represent. And we all can't, you know, I think as, as just general readers and, and, you know, hunters and anglers, uh, we can't thank you enough for, uh, being a good representation of what, what our lifestyle is all about. We really appreciate well, it, Joe. We, I mean, we have a great mix of young and old, um, and I think that is something that maybe separates us from a lot of other outdoor media uh, and just brands. Um, is that we, you know, we have a good collection of you know versatile folks, um, and you can have you can never have enough different opinions uh, in the room, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> That's a great point. Well, with that, I think we'll, we'll end on that great note. And, uh, Joe, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we know you're probably, you, probably have like 16 sort of short order articles, like, like a short order cook here, you know, that you have to get to here, but, but, uh, can't thank you enough. And uh, again, you know, best of luck to you and, and the outdoor life family out there. And we uh, look forward to, uh, the work ahead. 
Well, thanks, yeah, guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I really do appreciate it. You guys give me the opportunity. Take care. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tailgate Podcast. If there is anything keeping you or your marketing department up at night, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us your thoughts and your questions to questions at thetailgatepodcast.com. That's questions at thetailgatepodcast.com.